Hey. Hey. Yep, there we are. Let's go live for real. It's good to see you again, friend, after uh, several weeks of not seeing you. So here we go. Hey, welcome, we're everyone. We're back. <laughs> we are. Welcome, You're everyone. Back. To the Real Investing Show. I am back and you are back. I am Stephen Earp and this is my trusty colleague, the great Taylor Davis. And this is episode 13 of the Real Investing Show. We're both in different environments now. And um, yeah, so thanks everyone for for jumping on and uh, supporting our show. I am, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to be back and back working in real estate. And Where are you back from? I'm back from um, the great region of West Africa. So I was I was two weeks in West Africa. So um, yeah, a really different environment, bro. So, yeah, so tell me been, about it. Have you been to Africa? No. Okay. So yeah, so I, I mean, most of our viewers know, well, I don't know, it depends when you're watching this, but um, I, you know, I've been involved in missions and ministry for a really long time. And so I work with, um, with, um, with Christians all over, all over the world. And, uh, in some places where it's not legal or there's social pressure, you can't have open churches. Um, a lot of them will be underground and things like that. And so kind of clandestine areas. And so we work with, um, nonprofits and indigenous like disciple making and church planting organizations with how to use social media to in their ministries basically and how to identify spiritual seekers and how to meet them face to face and when to know when it's safe to meet them face to face and things like that so uh so i do a lot of traveling with that actually so a lot of time i like i travel quite a bit and so yeah so yeah i know because you're in in libya earlier this year was that um, I was in Oman earlier in this year, and I was in Nigeria earlier, and then last fall I was in I was in Sweden and um, and the Netherlands and, and Norway, and so. Um, I mean, yeah. I went to Cancun, Mexico. Yeah, I, well, I was in <laughs> I was in Playa del Carmen earlier. You know, I got married this summer, so uh, I don't know if we talked about that, but yeah. So I yeah I had the honeymoon in Playa del Carmen, but um, but yeah. Uh, I love the travel scene, man. Yeah. And it opens your eyes to so many things. Um, and uh, I don't know. It just, uh, to me, traveling helps you to kind of understand the world better. Just yeah, different people, how people think, why they think what they think. And um, so, yeah, I love it so much, though. And so how did going to West Africa, or maybe just as you've been going, how did that shift your mindset? Um, so interesting question. Um, I actually, um, for one thing, it's, it's got more of a sense of urgency for me and my work. And here's why, because in, in terms of my real estate work, okay, because like we, you have, if you live in the U S you have a huge opportunity to create wealth without the risks so like there's always a risk i mean there's the risk and reward and so like when you're in developing countries 
if something's developing, there's the opportunity for massive growth if you get in the right industry. But there's also like some of these countries are so unstable that you could lose everything in an instant if yeah. the wrong group gets in power or if yeah. they have a civil war or if there's a coup. And I mean, we were in Francophone West Africa, countries that are that speak French that are West African, and most of them are developing countries to varied degrees. And like, um, they're, they're just massive opportunities for commerce there, um, investing there, massive opportunities. Um, but along with those opportunities comes, you know, risk as well. So it's like, number one, I would like to invest overseas. I talked to some business owners and I did the same thing in Oman. When I was in Oman, I met with business owners and investors there and I would like to invest there. You know, financing is different depending on the country, but the urgency is like, I need to make as much as I can here so I can invest in places like that where the upside could be astronomical. I mean, like, yeah. So you feel like these developing countries <laughs> where you'd want to invest or, I mean, are, do, are you interested in more developed and kind of established countries that have a little bit more stability? I don't know. I, I, the answer is yes. Okay. But I don't, but I don't know for sure. I mean, Spoken because, like a true entrepreneur. Yes. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm interested, but like the downsides, you know, I sure. mean, there are so many businesses there. I would walk in and I would think, you know what? This business could double their revenue if they would do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, there's some basic things that are not happening. Sure. Um, and so, and the thing about West Africa, where we were, it's like the, there's, there's not much of a middle class. So there's like extreme poverty and there's a lot of wealth. And so when you create things for that sort of upper class, you know, there's a lot of opportunities there. And that's like, like the Lebanese, Lebanese, a lot of the businesses are owned by Lebanese people and they've, they just keep moving in and they were trying to do business in France and found um, a lot of the rules and culture and laws to be not pro business. And so a lot of 70% income tax too. Yeah. And so a lot of them are moving like West Africa because they speak French and, and it's like, they're starting coffee shops and I mean, and Lebanese coffee, let's be real. Oh man, come on. Hey, listen, West African coffee is legit too. Though, is bro. It? Yeah. Is it, I, what kind of style is it? Is it kind of a Turkish style or is it? Um, they, they do it every different way because so for, for one thing, um, so the, the two of the major exports of like, we were in this time we were in Ivory coast and, uh, um, the two major exports are coffee and chocolate. They're the number one exporter of chocolate. Um, and, uh, and so the coffee, they do, they have coffee of every kind imaginable. And there, there's the French influence cause it used to be a French colony. And so whatever kind of coffee you want here, they have there and, and more like stuff you've never heard of. Okay. So it's, it's like, um, now the average person drinks like this Nescafe that, um, it's like instant coffee. Yes. Like the, yeah, yeah. like little cup things. Uh, yeah, well, like, yeah, like a little, like you just scoop it, the dry into the water and heat it up. Okay. Um, but any coffee shop or restaurant has like, oh, amazing, legit coffee. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. I came back with some allergies. So, but, um, but yeah, so the coffee's really good. The chocolates, 
amazing. That's so, awesome. But yeah, we looked at some real estate there. So tell uh, me about that. Yeah, so we were working with this guy. So there's a guy that we work with there, and he's been involved in planting something like 20,000 churches in West Africa. And a lot of them are like small house churches, but that's a really big deal. And, and he was like, I don't have, you know, I don't have much for retirement. I, you know, so we're, we're thinking about building a, an, uh, a bed and breakfast out in this area and the U S military, they're about to build a, they're about to build a training center here. And then there are other businesses that are buying property here and we're watching who's buying the property. And when he was talking about this, I'm like, you're speaking my language. Let's go, let's go yeah. see it. And so we drove out there. It's between, it's between like the ocean and a huge, beautiful lagoon and like nobody's out there. <laughs> and so there's a few random houses literally in what looks like a jungle. Like to me, I would call it a jungle. I don't know what defines a jungle, but um, it's a it's forest. Big. Yeah, I mean, it's you're not knocking it down with machetes, okay? Okay. And and, and driving on dirt roads, at, you know, way out there and, and seeing a house that was built and like, I don't know, man, imagine like a 3,000 square foot house that's really nice and, and you're into it with the land and the construction for like 75 grand or something like that. I mean... Yeah, crazy like that's so cheap yeah like blocks away from the ocean i mean like it's not waterfront but it's like right there and so wow. um so yeah i mean you you know you talk about buying lots for five grand that you know half acre lot or something and um just wow <laughs> and so yeah, when I was one thing that I love about real estate is there's no such thing as insider trading, right? Like, yeah, that's just information that you gathered mm -hmm. that you're that, that you can that you can use to make a decision perfectly yeah. legally. That if yeah. you had insider knowledge on a business, that could be insider trading, but right, you know, uh, you know what's about to happen, and and theoretically, then this is gonna go up in value. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it's incredible. So, I <laughs> so yeah, my wheels are spinning. I don't know what, you know, what, what will be involved in right now. I'm still on kind of a high from being there. So, uh, you know, but I mean, here in the U S in, especially in fast appreciating areas, you know, I mean like, uh, opportunity is really stable and not just stable, but if you get in the right area, you can make a ton. So, you know, doing real estate development in a developing country, if you're not from there, I don't know. I'm just wrestling with it. Do you have thoughts about that? I mean, like it, I guess if you learn the market, you can learn it as well or better than the locals, but. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think, yeah, I haven't ever really, uh, I mean, I guess we kind of talked about potentially buying like in Mexico or somewhere like that, like water, you know, Cancun, somewhere that's going to be kind of a touristy area, but I feel like that's already stabilized. Uh, mm -hmm. For the most part, where um, you know, it sounds like this is just kind of a true up and coming. You just go, how long or is this gonna? Mm -hmm. Hey, I, listen, I'm all about uh, risk reward, and, and let's be honest, seventy five thousand dollars isn't something that 
is is likely to break an investor, right? Like, but it could if it if it turns into a great opportunity, it really could have high upside. Um, I know we have looked at, although we haven't even been to this country, but uh, there's a few different countries. Portugal is one that I've looked at that if you own, um, I think I think if you buy four hundred thousand, if you spend four hundred thousand dollars or euros on um in real estate there you can get a like a dual citizenship basically uh mm-hmm. and i was like okay like i kind of like that idea just so you have the opportunity to travel europe un uh uninhibited um mm-hmm. but uh that's probably the closest i've come to like mm-hmm. looking for something like that but it's totally different goal and mindset so yeah. so talk to me about uh is there anything, so you travel a lot abroad. Yeah. What have you gathered culturally Mm. that is different in Africa or the Middle East, where I know you've spent a lot of time, um, that, that you, you go, that you come back here and you go, you know what? Like, and I'm, I'm not like, I love America yet. I think that there are, uh, parts of our culture (laughs) that, uh, you know, lead us to be a, a less happy culture. And, uh, and we have this, like, we're a high achieving culture, which is great. Yet, do, do we have satisfaction in our achievement and things like that? Has that shifted your, your traveling? Has that shifted your mindset on that at all? Like, um, obviously, you're still a go getter. Yet, yeah. how do you balance that with gratitude? And like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I try to, Man, it's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, what the question is, what can you learn from other cultures that you can apply? And so hopefully, like every culture has high values and low values, right? They have right. strengths strengths and weaknesses. And so sometimes you can identify them. And it's easy to identify the, the low values in a culture when you compare it to the high values of your own culture. Okay. So, so in the reverse of that is this is... Um, is true also. So for example, a lot of people when they travel abroad, especially if you go into like more impoverished areas or if you're doing humanitarian work or mission work, you come back and you also have, you have sort of this guilt, like I have all this food in my house and we waste it and people could, you know, um, but, um, but it's just too easy to judge your own culture, like by the strengths of another culture and judge your own culture as bad. Sure. Right. It's, and, and I think that's, and then, so you judge your weak, your weaknesses by someone else's strengths or and vice versa. Yeah. Right? I so, mean, yeah. So some of the things that I see, number one, contentment is a big deal. Globally, the, the places that we see that are the most content are the less Westernized. And by the Westernized com- countries, I'm talking about the 38 industrialized countries that are considered the West, the Occidental countries. And that's the U.S. and Western Europe, North America, um, and like there's more depression, there's more suicide, there's more all kinds of things. Um, And in much of the world where there's lots of poverty, it's like you've got kids playing in the street with rags for a soccer ball. I mean, you know, it's like there's contentment, the smiles, you know. Now, that's not every country or every culture, but... um, 
so it's little things you pick up here and there. So for example, um, in in West Africa, when people are really impoverished, it's really it's interesting. There's a lot of oppression culturally in terms of you've got these people selling things on the street. And you see this in Mexico too, when you cross the border into Mexico, right. people selling things on the street. Like back when I used to go to Mexico a lot, they'd be selling chiclets. You know, it's like they'd buy whatever they could buy at the store and then comes resell it on the street. <coughs> I love that. And I, and I love that um, drive, that sales drive. And I, I, and I think every time, and that, that the same thing is that way in, um, in Abidjan, um, Ivory Coast, where people are on the streets, like you'll get to a stop sign and there'll be 20 people or 30 people walking by your car selling some stuff. They're selling spoons, they're selling cups, they're selling food, they're selling, I mean, like literally name it. Anything you can buy at Walmart, you can probably find some street person walking up and down, trying to sell it on the streets to make a dollar to make it to their next meal. And I always thought like, man, if they just had a little bit of an opportunity with that kind of drive, they could make bank here in the U.S. And the people that grow up here and generation after generation, they make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Um, it's like they have no, you have no idea what it, you know, what it's like. I don't know if I should share this story, but I'm going to anyway. Um since I'm not a pastor anymore, I can be more open with sharing certain stories. But when my kids were young, I took them into really rough neighborhoods. And you tell me what you think of this and be honest, you and whoever's watching this. I took my kids into really rough neighborhoods and I was like, if you, if, if you make bad decisions and if you don't handle your money well, and if you let yourself get addicted to something, and if you don't work hard in your job, you're going to end up living in a neighborhood just like this. And then I would drive them to super nice neighborhoods and like find a way to sneak in past the gates. And I would say, if you make really good decisions in this country where you were just without even deserving it, you were born here and you have plenty of opportunity. You live in a place where there's plenty of opportunity for education plenty of opportunity for commerce, plenty of opportunity for income. And like, if you, if you make good decisions and work hard, it, all you have to do to be in the top 3% of workers at any job is just show up on time and don't leave early and work the whole time. If you just do that, you'll be in the top 3% of people at any job you work at. And if you just keep doing that, you'll get opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And you can live in a neighborhood like this if you make good decisions with your life. If you make bad decisions, you're gonna live in a neighborhood like that one down there. And so, I don't know if that was, what do you think about that, Taylor? That's what I did with all of my kids growing up. Uh, I actually like it because, okay, what are you teaching? The, mm -hmm. the lesson that you're trying to instill. Mm -hmm. Personal responsibility, right. right? I mean, that's really what you're trying to instill into your children with, with that move and that there are consequences <laughs> to actions. And yeah. uh, so, I mean, Listen, you, you probably drove through my neighborhood <laughs> like <laughs> so when you took them there. So uh, the neighborhood that I grew up in, I grew up in that, uh, although I grew up with parents that didn't have that. Mindset. You, no, you grew up in what? Absolute poverty. OK, um, like my parents lost their thirty thousand dollar house to foreclosure when I was 17 years old. 
gotcha. and, and I went, you know, I came home several times with the electric off. Like that was, that was where I lived and my parents made bad decisions early on. And the thing that they taught me is that they made bad decisions early on and look where it got them. Be sure to not make these same mistakes. Right. And, yeah. um, and so I think my parents taught me that more from, uh, just being in the neighborhood that we were in, but that's a different mindset. And I love that we're bringing this back around to mindset because it's so true. Like there is a mindset of, I can't, mm-hmm. uh, I was born this way. I can't right. get out of this. That sort of thing. Right. And you know what? You're a hundred percent right. When you think that, mm-hmm. like, I love the Henry Ford quote. It might be my favorite quote. Yeah. Whether you think you can, or you think you can, you're right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is a hundred percent true. If you've got the mindset that you can do something, I guarantee yeah. you can do it. Uh, right. I love the story. I mean, dude, mindset really matters. I love the story of the six minute mile. Mm-hmm. I think it was a six minute. Is that right? The six minute mile? It the was four minute mile. You're thinking of the four, the four minute mile. mile? Okay. Yeah. Like, listen, I, if I ran a mile in six minutes, congratulate <laughs> me. Uh, if I ran a mile, congratulate me. But yeah. uh, the, the three minute mile and, and it, it was a it was a record that had never been broken, never been broken, tried and mm. tried and tried. Mm. And uh, the fastest man in the world was always like right at what one second over. Mm. I mean, he, he could get close, but he couldn't break it. And mm. then someone else broke it. And mm. immediately after it was broken. Yeah. Within one year, multiple people broke it. Why? Yeah. Because they knew they could. They knew right. it was possible. And before they were told it was impossible and their brains believed that. And then all of a sudden they knew it was possible and their brains believed that our brains are not designed to see us thrive. Our brains are created to protect us and keep us safe. Uh When you understand the psychology of the brain and you start to like work on your mindset and you can, you get to make the decisions that you want. When you listen to your brain, it's telling you, don't do that. It's scary. I don't know what this could do. It could kill you. Right. And Mm -hmm. Uh, so I just think that that mindset of like personal responsibility, dude, mm-hmm. I like, well, I mean, I think your t- kids turned out fine. So, uh, I'd well, say let's, let's judge it off the results. Right. Yeah. Right. By the way, it's Roger Bannister, um, etched his name into the history books by becoming the first man to break the once thought impossible, if not fatal, but magical four minute barrier in the mile. Okay. So he breaks. He, and he and breaks who was goal. it that kept trying the world record holder? And, and like a month later, he did it. Because I, I think it was somebody from Ohio State, if I remember right, that uh, broke it. I'm not sure. Anyhow, I just find that to yeah. be such a fascinating thought. Yeah. That when everyone, every <laughs> expert knew this wasn't possible until yeah. it was, mm-hmm. and then everyone started breaking it, or multiple mm-hmm. people broke it. It wasn't just like one person did this. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so you came recently from a um, conference you were fired up about, and talk yeah. to me. What did you pick up about mindset? Yeah, I went to this real estate conference, and Tony Robbins uh, was a like a guest speaker or kind of a yeah. keynote speaker for like four hours. So it wasn't a Tony Robbins event. I didn't walk on fire, uh, but uh, it was. <laughs> it, it, but it was a four hour of of him and. Man, and I've read some of his books and and uh, listened to some of his stuff, and he's fantastic. But just mindset. I mean, I think that one of the things that I was reminded there is, um, and I think it's so important 
to this audience because this audience most likely has the right mindset. They have the mindset that they can do something. That's yeah. why they're listening, they're learning, and they're ready to take action. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I want to, and this is not to say don't go achieve because I'm a high achiever and I will always be a high achiever. Yet don't believe that happiness is on the other side of achievement. Mm-hmm. It's 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 an unhealthy mindset, right? Because if you think back to something that you were super proud of doing, something that was really hard, that took a while and you accomplished, you saw it through and you accomplished it, right? Mm-hmm. That gave, like you you thought this would bring happiness, right? Now, I mean, I, I, I'll do a kind of cheesy example, but one of the things that I'm most proud of is yeah. I went through Boy Scouts and and uh, achieved Eagle Scout in uh, two and a half years. I didn't know and, that. Yeah, and, and I went. It's a pretty rare deal. It less than two percent of people do it. Not only did I do it, I did it with four of my buddies. We all started at the same time. We all graduated or got Eagle Scout at the same time, and we were all super proud of that and going through that together. So and, that's you know I just learned something about you that changes my image of you. I, if I, if you ever, if you're like, Hey, let me tell you about Taylor Davis. My mind would never go to, Oh yeah. He was a boy scout. Yeah. But yeah. like, wow, that's super cool. Okay. Keep talking. So you, you, so you, you hit Eagle scout within two and a half years and you right. did it with four buddies. Okay. Talk to me about that. That's fascinating. So, I mean, that was just something that w- it was hard. It was challenging. Like the fastest you can do it is a little over two years. And so yeah. we were we were at this kind of record pace and we just had this mindset. From the moment we got in, we had this mindset that we were doing this together. Um, we actually had, there were, there, were, there were six of us at first. Um, and one of our buddies, unfortunately, his... His mom had MS and his his dad had cancer and he had to drop out for health reasons to to help take care of them. Went on to be a nurse later in life. Um, And so he was kind of always an honorary person with us. Uh, He we had him at the (laughs) and things like that. But um, the the other five of us that were able to continue, we had this mindset that we were going through this together. And I mean, probably a lot like the military in you didn't let your buddy fall behind. There was a little bit of that, but it was really hard at times. And we, we really pushed ourselves. I mean, we did a lot of difficult things together and it was one of those things that I still look back and I'm super proud of and it brought happiness, right? Yet even this thing that I was like super proud of, it only brought temporary happiness, right? Like you achieved it. And then it was like, Okay, how many times do we have this one? Okay, now what? Right? Like, okay, I did this. Now what? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that Tony talked about is, you know, some of these people that are extraordinarily successful that he's networked with and, you know, coached and, and been around. Um, you know, he gave this example of, you know, sometimes accomplishing your goal can actually be the thing that leads you to depression because if all of your happiness or, or your thought process was that this thing is going to bring me happiness. And he gave an example of, you know, somebody who sold his business for a billion dollars. And it's like, this should have brought crazy happiness. And then like three weeks later, he's like, I'm on a beach and I don't know what to do with my life. Right. Like, mm. and I think that sometimes we get caught in this trap of happiness is on the other side of achievement. And the truth is happiness is tied directly to gratefulness you being grateful now there's a difference in being complacent and being mm-hmm. grateful 
you can mm. be a high achiever and a high earner and a pusher yeah. and a driver and yeah. still be grateful along the way. And I think that going, you know, to your point, the, there's, there's kids playing soccer with, with, you said rags mm. that are happy. Right. And that goes really against this mindset that we have that you have to have in order to be happy. And I think that's a trap that we fall into and uh, just, you can find joy through being grateful and, and just taking a moment to be grateful for everything that you have. I had, so I came, you know, I came back from that event and I had like a very, very hard Tuesday, like the worst Tuesday of my business life there. We, I mean, between uh, exit conversations with employees, two employees that I had to have uh, exit conversations with um, to a neighbor that uh, is not being very helpful in a parking situation and calling the cops on us. And even though it's public parking and then we had to deal with that and um, there's just like threaten of a lawsuit. I mean, just all like, it was like, it was a day, right. Yeah. And all in one day and, and, and uh, had a big deal almost fall apart that I barely kept together. Like it was just one of those days that like, Oh my gosh, this just all happened in, in, in an eight hour period. I don't know how this happened. And yet at the end of the day, I, it was about seven o'clock that night and I allowed, I really did. I allowed myself to be upset for a couple hours. Like, I mean, I came home and I was like, babe, I, I mean, I gotta have a drink. And I had, I, I poured myself a whiskey and I don't really drink alone. I'm not that guy. And mm -hmm. I was just like, I have to have a little nightcap here. And, but I had one and about a, two hours later, it was about seven o'clock at night. I was I was just like, you know what? I get to have control of my mindset. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, <laughs> I'm really grateful that these are the problems that I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. right? There are a lot of people that have problems. Mm -hmm. Everyone has problems. I am so grateful that these are the problems I get to deal with. I'm not worried about, uh, is my family safe tonight? Can I? Are we mm -hmm. going to be kicked out on the streets because I don't have a way to, uh, to pay my rent? Um, or you know, health issues or, um, son that's suicidal or, you know, I mean, these are, these are issues that people have to deal with. And, and at the end of the day, the truth is these are the issues that I choose. And that I'm, I'm grateful to have these, these problems that I dealt with allowed me to go spend time with my family this weekend, allowed me to spend time with my family in the evenings, like, um, get to enjoy different aspects of life. And so, you know, there, there's a book, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Yeah. And one of the things he talks about in there is pick your problems. Like mm -hmm. you're going to have problems. You get to choose what your problems are, but you're going to have problems. Understand that. Mm -hmm. And that mindset of like, these are the problems that I get to have. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Like I, I immediately, <coughs> I was able to move back into a gratefulness and yeah. it didn't ruin my day and I was able to move forward. And I just think that, dude, yeah. like, mindsets everything do you know i i um uh, this may be diving to this is all really great man i enjoying this conversation i appreciate you sharing i'm sorry to hear about your rough day they i'm not it was part of my it was yeah. it's the problems i get to to have yeah so. it reminds me of the book um oh what is it the the no good very bad day i don't remember there's a kid's book that deals deals it's like the day gets worse <laughs> and worse i um Something that impacted, I mean, I've always had a positive mindset 
like my bias, I, I have this thing that like tomorrow will be better than today. Um, contentment has been fascinating for me. And maybe, maybe this is more for another conversation about contentment, but where, you know, thinking about like being hard driving and driven and at the same time being content, you know, it's like deals crash and burn, but I'm content with the journey. For me, um, like the worst day of my life was, um, you know, my wife had a tragic illness and, uh, we were married 28 years and she, you know, the last five years of her life, I mean, I took care of her and changed diapers and, and, you know, she was way too young to have what happened to her, what happened to her. She couldn't roll over. She couldn't do anything on her own by the end of her life. So Christmas Eve, a couple of years ago, I mean, I watched her take every breath for about two hours until she just expired and died. And, um, my youngest son was with me and I like, I got off of social media largely around that time, but here's the thing of how it affects me today. I mean, it it affects me in lots of ways, but one way is I've already had the worst day of my life. Yeah. And so pretty much if you don't like me, I really don't care. (laughs) Like if you complain about something I'm doing, you know, I think you probably have many other problems too. You know, I mean, it's a, it's sort of like a, I care about people, but I don't care about approval too much. It's just, you know, the most important things in life are not the things in life. And so I just, for me, I want to make an impact on as many people as possible. I want to live the kind of life that I was designed to live, that I have purpose within me to live, that's deep inside me. And um, and so, yeah, death, to me, death is one of the things that gives me the most positive thinking. Another example, um, I was a pastor for a number of years. And by a number of years, I mean like, 28 years <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, a few years I did this thing um, I was a pastor for close to 28 years and until I stopped counting when I was about 15 years in I had officiated more than 220 funerals okay wow. this was by the year to this is by the year 2011 and so I still had 11 more years after that of pastoring and Here's one thing I noticed at funerals. I'll tell you something. People don't realize this. At a funeral, the average funeral, even if you have 300 people, 400 people at a funeral, there is no more than like four or five or six people that cry. <laughs> like, like it's the family. It's the close, close family that cries. Right. You know? And so my perspective in these funerals, and I, by the way, I'm a funeral crier. If you cry, I'm going to cry with you. But here was my perspective. If there's only going to be a few people cry at my funeral, then why on earth do I care what they think about me right now? Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Why like, would you live your life differently for someone I, who's... Why do who I want to be... live my life for the approval of people that don't right. even care enough to cry at my funeral? And so I I, I, I don't know. All of that maybe, maybe seems odd, but to me, my positive mindset is based kind of in like, I don't know, it's kind of dark, I guess, kind of a dark thoughts, dark reality. But 
Um, but it gives me great positivity. I mean, I, you know, when someone's rude to me at a store or harsh or whatever, or even when I'm going through real problems, like you travel to some countries, certain people, like sometimes they don't want you there. <laughs> right. Um, and you know, or you're going through, um, you know, regulations somewhere. I mean, I, I got, you know, I got, um, I was in, I was in the middle East with COVID at one point, I couldn't leave the country and they had all these regulations and like and, almost yeah. two weeks or something like that. Yeah. Right? It was more than, it was more than two weeks. So, so sometimes they're, you're in weird situations and, and it's like, well, these people, they put their pants on the same way, or maybe they don't wear pants, but you know what I mean? They, they, they get up the same way we do. They have the same cares, the same concerns all over the world. People basically want um, a prosperous life and a peaceful life for their kids and their grandkids and their families. I mean, that's what people want all over the world. And so if somebody's really harsh to me, I just think, well, he must have a really hard life. Um, hashtag not my problem. I mean, like, right. I, like I cry lots of tears too, bro. I don't know what to say. Um, be mean to someone else. So, right. So my positivity, I think comes from just the reality of death. We're only going to be here a certain length of time. Like, come on, let's do, do what you feel God has called you to do. Do what you feel is deep inside you. The thing that you can't live without, just go do that and don't worry about it. So, yeah. Well, and, and, um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's funny and this is, is not a Christian perspective, uh, but the, in, in Greek mythology, like the, uh, Zeus, <laughs> I think it was Prometheus uh, that, that, that gave two gifts to humanity. Yeah. Um, one was fire and one was not knowing when they would die. Right. Because prior mm. to this point, they knew the day that they would die and they just sat in depression knowing mm. that they would die. And so they, he gave the gift and for that Zeus punished them eternally mm-hmm. because Zeus was then jealous of humans because yeah. there is beauty in finality, right? It means mm-hmm. more when it's not infinite, right? And like, so mm-hmm. like that, I mean, I know that there, like there's an infinite life after, mm-hmm. yet this life has mm-hmm. more beauty. You can find beauty in the mundane because mm-hmm. it is finite, right? And so uh, yeah. I think that's actually a very stoic. Uh, yeah, right. I think that's beautiful. Philosophy. So, yeah. Uh, well, I, I've enjoyed chatting with you about this. I will say maybe we should wrap up, but um, I appreciate your pressing in on the mindset concept. And for those listening or watching, um, definitely the number one reason, if, if you're successful, the number one reason is if you're successful in anything, the number one reason is because of your mindset. And if you're not successful, the number one reason is your mindset. It really is. And I fought that for so long because I am a very action-oriented person. Mm-hmm. And I felt like mindset was this frou-frou. Now, you have to have action with mindset. Yeah. And yet, my business didn't explode mm-hmm. until I shifted my mindset yeah. because it, it really does change everything. So if there's one thing you're working on, work on your mindset. Yeah. Amen. 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 I kind of went to church a little bit today, so um, yeah, right. <laughs> Come on. Come on, somebody. Yeah, right. Bro, <laughs> um, well, hang in there, guys. Uh, we may record another episode today, but thanks so much for watching The Real Investing Show. This has been a great chat about mindset, a little bit different than our normal episode, but uh, 
Uh, keep following us, like, comment, share, and um, we'll try to keep putting out good comment. Let us know what your questions are about real estate or investing. Thanks a lot. Thank you.